All right, if you have a Bible, I uh, want to share just a few thoughts with you. These are the source of a spiritual discernment. The source of spiritual discernment. I want you to turn in your Bible to the book of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, and chapter 5. You know, the Bible's always telling us to, you know, be encouraged and always looking up. And it's, it's always positive. But as we go through life, there's so many things that can discourage us so easy. And so at the same time, there's a thing called spiritual discernment. In other words, do we see what's going on from spiritual eyes? And it'll help us as we go through life if we see correctly. And I have to admit, there's a lot of times I don't see too good. And I, uh, I let my problems get bigger than I am. And so I just, I just got to take all my problems and let them see how big God is. And it kind of changes the perspective just a tad. But notice here in the book of Hebrews in chapter 5, I want you to look there in verse 13. Verse 13 and 14. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Now it's evident, according to the verse before, that God wants his children not to remain babes but to grow in the Lord and to become mature so that we are skillful in the Word of God. And so you can't become skillful in the Word of God unless you learn the Word of God. So you've got to start there. But look at verse 14. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use. In other words, it's one thing to memorize a scripture. It's a different thing to apply that scripture, to let that verse Change your life. And I've told the college kids, you don't really know the Bible until the Bible controls your life. Because there's so much you will never experience until how you learn to trust the Word. And so one of the things that I wrote down a long time ago was, uh, you must believe and trust the Lord by believing and trusting His Word. You and I, we don't see God. I can't see God. But I have His Word. And so a way of knowing that I'm trusting the Lord, and I'm trusting the Lord to lead, guide, and direct. We always hear that. Well, how does he lead, guide, and direct? With the Word. So you learn how to put your confidence and trust in the Lord by putting your confidence and trust in the Word of God. So the Word of God is so very important. And then you'll gain a, a perspective on life. Remember, there's a divine perspective and a human perspective. One is how we see things, and then one is how God sees things. So we always want to look at life and problems, everything that goes on, through the eyes of the Scriptures, through the eyes of God. And it'll help us. Now look at the last part of verse 14. When he says, even those who by reason of use, you ever heard if you don't use it, you lose it? You can go to Bible college, you can go to Sunday school, come to church, and here and here and here, and never apply anything. Just like there's some people who are forever sharpening the axe and never cut down a tree. They never apply the scriptures to their life. They're always listening, but they never apply it. And this is why they miss out. But look what he says. Have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. But who's the one that says what's good and who's the one that says what's evil? The Lord does. You cannot go through life trusting your own judgment. Otherwise, we would not need the Bible. Now, I want you to take your Bible and turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Uh, these are scriptures that, you know, most of us have heard for a long time. We even quote them just about every Sunday. 
about how precious the Word of God is and what it can do for us and all. But look there in 2 Timothy in chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look what the Word of God is able to do for you. So just think what you're missing out on if you do not know the Word. So you have to know what is the advantage. Why should I do this? So in verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. All Scripture is profitable. So you just know that. You understand that. There is great profit in learning the Word of God. Now remember when he says in James chapter 2, What doth it profit, my brethren, if a man say, and blah, 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 goes on down through the whole chapter. What does it profit? You see, it's not just a matter of what we read and what we hear and what we say. It's, it's what you do. What are we doing with our life? So he says, and it's profitable for doctrine. That means you will have spiritual discernment in knowing what's right. For reproof, that means you're able to discern what's wrong. And for correction, that means you learn how to make it right. You see, growing in the Lord and maturing is learning how to correct things in your own life without somebody else having to tell you. Don't you wish that everybody would just grow spiritually and it's automatic? But there's come the time when we have to be disciplined. And uh, sometimes we have college kids. We even have our own kids that we were trying to raise. You know, you're always having to correct and discipline. And so you know that, you understand that, and it's the same thing with the Lord. Then he says up there for instruction in righteousness. In other words, you know how to teach it right. It gives you instruction. See, everything that we go through is God giving us a, like an instruction manual and some experiences that we've had that makes us more valuable and our word more credible because you've been through it. You've been faithful for a long time, and they can trust you. So you earn that right. Now look what he says in verse 17. So we study the word of God. It's given by inspiration of God. It's good for all these things. But what if you didn't know the word of God? You could not discern right from wrong. You say, I just got my good judgment. I'm so smart. Yeah, the Bible talks about that too. And how prideful we can be. See, when you don't study the word of God, a person lifts themselves up by pride saying that uh, I'm smart enough. I'm cool. I got it. I understand. And you'll make decisions based upon that judgment. And God says in the book of Jeremiah, it is not within man that walketh to direct his steps. In other words, you don't have the ability inside of you to discern spiritual things. You can see things in this life and you can learn how to make good, good money and uh, travel and have a house and cars and money in the bank. But that doesn't take spiritual discernment. Now you can have it, but there's a lot of lost people who get all those things true. But they're not laying up treasures in heaven. And that's what you want. Now in verse 17, that the man of God. See, in verse 14 and 15, he was a child. That from a child thou hast known the Holy Scripture. Now we're talking about the difference between a child of God and a man of God is the word of God that lies in between. And a child of God can never become a man of God without the word of God. That's why we read and study it. Truly furnished unto all good work. Whatever this good work is that God wants us to do, it's because of the Word of God. And that's how we gain spiritual discernment, to be able to decide these things. Go there to your Bible, to the book of Matthew. Matthew and chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. As you know, Jesus was led up into the mountain to pray. And um, he went up there and prayed. He was going to be tempted 
by the devil, and but he was. And so Jesus, uh, after 40 days and 40 nights, says, uh, well, he was hungry. Wouldn't you be hungry after 40 days? I'm hungry after 40 minutes. <laughs> but he says here in uh, verse 3, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Here's a man who hasn't eaten 40 days. He's hungry. And if he's who he claimed to be, why don't you just take these stones and turn them into bread? Could he do that? He had the power to do it. He could have done that. But he didn't. He says in verse 4, And he answered and says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. In other words, when Christ says, you know, that you may have life and have it more abundantly, you can trust Christ as Savior and you've got eternal life. But the abundant life comes from the living word in order to help you live an abundant life, a fruitful life. So you can get more out of life than just being saved and never doing anything. But I love it. He says, as it is written. In each case, three times, it is written. There's a good possibility that Jesus knew the word. You think so? He knew the word. And not only that, he was the word. And he gave the word. And so that's mentioned in quite a few places. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 3. Just in case you think, well, I can just lean on my own understanding. Yep, mm, yep, sure can. And this is why the world is in such a mess. Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. So you see there in chapter 3 of Proverbs, look what it says in verse 5. These are two familiar verses. You ought to have them underlined in your Bible. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Now, what does the Bible say? Do not trust yourself. Don't lean on your own understanding. The heart of man is deceitful. That old sinful nature that we have dwelling within us can't be trusted. And that's why something, it might seem to be right, but weigh everything according to the Word of God. Trust the Word of God. See, believing in God is great and Trust his word. This is what God said, and this is what he wants us to go by. You think of all the books that there's ever been in the whole world, there's only one divine inspired word of God. This is it. And God wants us to know it. This is God's love letter to his children. And so he says here in this verse, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. How is he going to direct your paths? According to the word. Don't wait for him to appear on your bedpost some night and whisper some little sweet things in your ear. Study the word of God. If you want, go to bed with the scripture. Wake up in the morning. Think about the scriptures. When he says acknowledge God, it means thank God. Thank God. And everything that you do, thank God. What would God do? What would God want? Does this please God? And so you learn how to have spiritual discernment. Even all the problems that you have, and everybody's got a few, but don't focus upon your problems as they're so big you can't do anything about, and they're so big God can't do anything about. Or your problems are so small that you don't want to bother God with them. God says, cast all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. So whether they're big or whether they're small, don't embarrass God. 
that God isn't able to do something about it. You always live with that divine hope, that joyful anticipation. My God is bigger than any problem that I'll ever have. And I don't have to have the ability to solve everything. My daddy knows how to do it. And you get to where you learn how to walk the Lord. And you'll trust him to walk you through it. Look at this verse. When he makes that statement, be not wise, in verse 7, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. To fear the Lord is to depart from evil. So the word of God is necessary to discern right from wrong according to what God says is right and what God says is wrong. So that's why you have to do that. Now, turn in your Bible to 1 John, the book of 1 John. I would venture to say that everyone in here believes in prayer. We ought to pray. And in the book of John, chapter 14, it talks about, and whatsoever you shall ask, he will do. And he says, if you love me, keep my word. You know, that little phrase just like thrown in there. So whatever you pray for should be because you love him. He says, if you love me, keep my word. So you've got to know the word in order to keep it. Here in the book of 1 John in chapter 3, I want you to see this verse. Look there in, uh, let's just start in verse 19 and read down a couple of verses here. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. In other words, do you condemn yourself in the things you give yourself permission to do? Guilt sometimes comes because we allowed ourselves to do something we know was wrong. Well, if our own hearts will condemn us, what do you think God knows? And he knows everything. That's why you want to have a sensitive heart where you're sensitive to the things that you do. And the Holy Spirit that lives within you gives you great comfort and great peace when you obey. And he afflicts your comfort when you disobey. So he is the great Afflictor, comforter, based upon what you're doing with what he told you to do. Now look what he says here. In this verse 20, for if our heart condemn us. Now this is a personal application for you as an individual. We're great at being able to point out all the ills of everybody else or their sins and so forth. But it's a self-examination because when you're spiritually discerning, you learn how to judge yourself. And remember, there's a verse in the Old Testament. David, well, he didn't have a bad day. Oh, did he have a bad day? And people, they were, his own people, they were ready to stone him. And he says, um, he encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes there's nobody else around. Sometimes there's nobody to give you that great word of encouragement. But there's the Lord. And there are you. And because of what you know, refresh your mind and encourage yourself in the Lord. Begin to look at it spiritually from a divine perspective. So look what he says in verse, 20, uh, uh, verse 21. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. So your conscience is a great guide if your conscience has been prepared by the word of God. So that what you do, you have peace that you're doing the right thing. And whatsoever is not of faith is sin. If you don't have the confidence that what you're doing or allowing yourself to do or to say, then you're going to have this ill feeling even towards yourself. And have you ever felt kind of rotten inside sometime when you say something you shouldn't say or do something you shouldn't do? 
And you wish you hadn't done that. I'm sure all of us go through a, a little bit of that. But look what he says. We're talking about having confidence toward God. That your life is clean and that it's pure before God. And then notice what he says in verse 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because. See that word because? You think because there's going to be a good reason? Because we keep his commandments. And that commandment is found in, you know, 1 John chapter 2 and not loving one another and so forth. Not talking about the Ten Commandments. And do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Well, how do you know what pleases God? Remember Hebrews in chapter 11 that uh, without faith it is impossible to please him. So it is the will of God that we must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek to please him. Those that come to him and believe this. And you do it because you have confidence in your heart that I'm doing the right thing and it can give you a peace of mind. But if you're not sure that what you're doing is right, then you start condemning yourself because you feel guilty. And there goes your peace of mind and it kind of robs you of your joy. Don't we know and understand that regardless of the errors that we may have in our judgment, God forgives? Then accept God's forgiveness and move on. But if you fall in the mud, what should you do? Well, lay there. You'll get comfortable after a while. No, get up out of the mud. But if you see somebody laying in the mud, what should you do? Well, walk up behind them real nice, and Lord, help me to help this brother. And you put your foot on the back of his head and push him down some more. Now hold him there. Sometimes we'd love to see other God's people who have disobeyed. Boy, I'm glad God's getting them now. Get them, God, get them. Because I've been doing right. And they've been doing wrong. And they thought they were going to get away. Man, I'm get them. Now, now you can pray a hedge around somebody. Because you want them to get pricked early and get back and get right with the Lord. But your motive is very important. Why do you do what you do? Why do you pray the way you do? Why do you judge others the way you do? Always be examining yourself. See, a spiritual person can examine themselves. Otherwise, if you don't, then somebody else is going to. Look what he says. He says, and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Do you think this has anything to do with prayer? Look what he says. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because, because we keep his commandments. And you'll find those mentioned in chapter 2 here. And also you go back to the book of John where he talks an awful lot about loving one another and so on. And do those things that are pleasing in his sight. But if you're not doing the things that are pleasing in God's sight, then God probably not going to answer your prayer the way that you want to. Now, take your Bible and turn to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3. Just a few pages to your left. There's a um, great chapter here on husbands and wives and about the obedience and so on. But it goes all the way down through here and talks about, no, you want to receive a blessing. You should want God to bless you, bless your wife, bless your kids. We want to receive these blessings. But um, look at this. Look in verse 9 where it says, Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing. Knowing that we as therefore are therefore called that ye should inherit a blessing. 
Not only do you want to be blessed, but you want to be a blessing. I want to be a blessing to my wife. I want to be a blessing to my kids. I want to be a blessing to the church. But I also want you to be a blessing to me. It goes both ways, you see. The wife should be a blessing to her husband, and the husband should be a blessing to her, and the kids. Wouldn't it be great if everybody, we want everybody to be blessed? You know, sometimes the word blessed can be called happy. Doesn't most people, or isn't it true, most people want to be happy in life? Well, if you want to be happy, you want to be blessed. I want to live a blessed life where God can bless my life. But I know that if I'm rebellious to the Lord, I know that my Heavenly Father is not going to bless my rebellion. He's going to chasten me. So I got a choice. Do I want to be obedient or disobedient? Well, they both got consequences to them. So if I want God's blessings, then I want to walk with the Lord and do those things that are pleasing Him. And so because I want to please the Lord, then I can ask the Lord for things because of my walk and obedience to the Lord. But now look what he says down here in verse 10. For he that will love life or enjoy life, see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil or shun it and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue that. Now look in verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. But can God's children do evil? If you read this, you'll find out, yes, he can. God's people can do wrong. Look in verse 14. But, and if we suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye. Because you know you did right, and you may suffer for it, but there's no guilt to it. And you can have the joy of the Lord, regardless of what people say and do to you, you still can have this joy that you're supposed to have. Then look what he says. We go down here to verse 17. And notice in verse 17 says, For it is better, if the will of God be so, that you suffer for well-doing than for what? So you can suffer in this life. You can suffer because you're doing right. And you can suffer because you're doing wrong. Now, which would be best? You're going to suffer. Now, which one would you like to choose? God considers this time in this world a time of suffering. Because you realize what we've got waiting on us? A home in heaven? A glorified body? Everybody loves each other? No pain? No problems? No heartaches? No sin? No death? But he says that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that we're going to have one of these days. The sufferings of this present world can't be compared to what God's going to give to us. So if we discern the word of God and believing what God's word says, yes, you're going to suffer. Things are going to go wrong. But cannot we keep walking with the Lord and trust in the Lord? I think so. Look in the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea. Oh, back there in the Old Testament. You say, where in the world is that found? Well, you've heard of Daniel. You know where Daniel is right after Ezekiel. So you know where Daniel is. It's the very next book, Hosea. Hosea, can you see? Well, look in Hosea chapter 4. It's on page 923 in one of the church Bibles. But look at this. And look in verse 6. There was a time when God stopped sending his prophets. And almost 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
But he told him, says, one of the problems that my people have is uh, they won't listen to the word. So you see in verse 6, and you ought to underline this verse. Very good. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because. See that word because? Thou hast rejected knowledge. Now here we have been blessed with an inspired book called the Bible. The word of God. And many of God's people have neglected the study of the word of God. And every Thing you haven't learned from the Word of God is going to cost you in your life. You just don't know it. Because you cannot spiritually discern, but you can use your judgment and make the best decisions you can. But when you're limited in spiritual knowledge, you're limited in spiritual judgment. So you want to learn the Word of God so that you don't go through the Lord. Why do you think he says over and over again, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Why? Because there's so many ignorant brethren. So he says, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. And they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. That one statement, you ought to underline that. Do you realize what God is able to do to God's children because they'll make decisions and there's consequences to making wrong decisions? And he can take that glory that he wants to do, bring glory to the Lord. He's going to bring shame to God's children. Why do you think he says that, you know, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may be confident and not ashamed before him at what? At his coming. Is it possible that some of God's children can be ashamed when the Lord comes? Or when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ and realize what we could have done and we did not do that? And then he goes on down here and says a little bit more, but understand another word because in verse 10. For they shall eat and not have enough. They shall commit whoredom and shall not increase because they have left off to take heed to the Lord. When you reject the word of God, you're rejecting God. When you do not have time for the word, you don't have time for God. You're too busy. You don't have time for God. And yet our whole lives are based upon are we obedient or disobedient to the Word of God? And this is why we should be very, very careful. Look in the 138th Psalm. The 138th Psalm. Now, I love the 139th Psalm because it's uh, just rich and about being born and so forth. But in the 138th Psalm, and then look at this. The 138th Psalm. And look there in verse 2. He says, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. And then you ought to underline this part of the verse. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Do you think that God wants us to have respect toward his word? You see, you can't grow strong in the Lord without growing strong in the word. And so God says there's many babes in the Lord, but learn the word of God so that you can do what God wants you to do. Now let's close with this one. Look there in the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians in chapter 3. And you'll notice this is on page 1265. 1265. This in the New Testament telling us what God wants us to do. And he starts off in chapter 3 that if you have been risen with Christ, then seek those things which are above. 
Now that takes spiritual discernment. Seeking things that God says about beyond this life. Seeing into eternity. Then he says in verse 2, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. So there's two things about what you're seeking and where it is. But the key to all of this, and he tells us down there a little bit further, to mortify the members of the flesh. In other words, consider them dead. You ever heard of a mortuary? You'd be mortified, scared to death. In other words, cut those things out of your life. The things that get you in a lot of trouble. But then he talks about put on the new man, which is written down here in verse 10. So this is talking about your new birth. And the new birth is created, as it says there in verse 10, renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So this is why uh, people who think you have to commit your life to Christ in order to be saved get it all wrong. Because in the book of Romans in chapter 12, he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. This is after they're saved. You see, you present your body to the Lord and how you're going to live after you're saved. It's your reasonable service. A man doesn't do that to be saved because that would make salvation by works. But verse 2, well, it's a little bit different. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. God wants every child of God to be transformed, that you be transformed by the renewing of your mind with the word of God, that you may prove or discover what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So this is why we're supposed to study the word. Now, in order to do all these things down through here in chapter three that he wants us to do, he says this in verse 16. Look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you Richly in all wisdom. In other words, you ought to strive to learn as much as you possibly can. Getting the wisdom of God that comes from above. Or you're going to wind up using human wisdom. And if you use human wisdom, you'll make no better decisions for your life than the average lost man who could be smart, he can be a genius, but he's lost. And he can't prepare for eternity and he can't lay up treasures in heaven. But you and I, we can. And teaching teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And then down in verse 23 says the same thing. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing, look in verse 20, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Do you think you need to know the word of God? Is it God's will? That's what makes Sunday night important. It makes Wednesday night important. It makes Sunday school important. It makes church service on Sunday morning. It makes your personal devotions important. I mean, studying the Word of God can have all kinds of advantages for you. If you don't study the Word of God and you can't find time to study the Word of God, who are you hurting? Who are you hurting? Yourself. And that self-affliction... You're afflicting yourself. It's like taking a hammer and just smashing your fingers. Oh, oh, that hurts. Hmm, I hit another finger. Uh, that one hurts too. Oh, well, I hit my thumb. Oh, that hurts. Why would a person do that? And they go through life and they whine and pine and they did it to themselves. Suffering the consequences of their bad decision because they didn't have time to spend with the Lord. I hope that 
makes some sense. Look up here. This is you and me. You ever seen this before, Ann? This illustration? I think I did it out there every service. And it, ain't, it ain't changed in 40 years. Look, the gospel doesn't change. But this is you and me, and this is sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. But God loves us, wants us to go to heaven, but God can't let sin into heaven. Because of sin, we can't get in. So God says you cannot save yourself. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us, but he hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. But because he loved us, he chose to die. He says, no man taketh my life from me. He said, I lay it down of myself. So he took the sins of the world and gave himself, and he died. And paid for the sins of the whole world and came back from the dead. He says, the only thing you have to do is believe I did that for you. You can handle that. You can do that. I've told a couple of people just recently. I said, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I said, if all he wanted you to do is believe that he did it for you, I said, you can handle that, can't you? She said, I can handle that. As a waitress, she said, I can handle that. I said, and if you accept this payment, God says, you have a payment for all of your sins. I said, if you got a payment for all of your sins, and he gives you the free gift of eternal life, I said, where are you going to go into that? She said, I'm going to heaven. I said, how do you know? Christ paid for all my sins. See, they have a basis. They know why they're going to heaven. They got some security. So anyway. I think it's the best thing in all the world to know that you have eternal life. After they trust Christ as Savior, yes. Do I want them to study the Word of God? Yes, I do. I want them to walk with the Lord. I want the Lord to be real to them. And I've said this before. He's more real to me than the clothes I got on my back. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. If you're watching by Internet, right where you are, you can trust Christ as your Savior. You can believe that when Christ died, He died for you. And all you have to do is believe he did it for you. And he'll put that payment he made to your account. That means that gives you a payment for all of your sins. That means you don't have any sins to pay for. It means you get to go to heaven because of what he did for you. And he loves you that much. And he says he'll give you eternal life. He that hath the Son hath life. Eternal life. And if you will trust Christ as Savior, right on the screen says, yes, I'll trust the Lord. I'd appreciate hearing from you. Just click it and let lets us know that somebody out there heard and understood and I pray that you have all trusted Christ as Savior. But with heads bowed and eyes closed here in the auditorium, if you've never trusted Christ, would you trust him right now? Would you say, Lord, I don't understand it all. I know I'm a sinner, but I'm going to trust Christ as my Savior. And friend, God said, if you trust him right now, he'd save you right now and give you eternal life. I pray that you would. Father, thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for all you do for us and help us to have great discernment for the days that are yet to come. Bless each one. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.